This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you drive long haul, short haul, or heavy haul, they're here to empower and inspire women in the trades on TNCRadio.live. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in trucking, in the trades, and every profession. We tackle all kinds of topics and work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley. And I'm Kathy. No topic is not allowed on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics. And we like to feature experts, champions, and celebrities who can assist women in being the very best they can be. More women than you would imagine struggle with overeating and eating disorders. It's a struggle that can lead to weight gain, which can eventually cause chronic pain due to the extra weight. Dr. Kelly Kessler can relate to this. She struggled with an eating disorder that left her with chronic back pain. She knows all too well what it feels like to feel unheard without a clear path to achieve relief. That eventually led her on a path to help other people. She's designed a four-step eating disorder pain solutions method for women who've had an eating disorder and want to resolve the pain. Dr. Kessler holds a doctorate in physical therapy from Upstate Medical University, a bachelor's in exercise science from Ithaca College, and a master's in kinesiology with an emphasis on sports psychology. We wanted to learn more about eating disorders and resolving chronic pain caused by excess weight. So we asked Kelly to be on the show with us Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. So I'm Kelly, excited. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> These are some really serious topics, and there's so many women, I think, that are looking for answers. Tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. Yeah. So I went through an eating disorder for about six years in um, Starbound. I was 18 and kind of lasted to my early 20s. And the nature of my eating disorder, I actually didn't even realize I had an eating disorder at the time. Um, I was an athlete and um, I just started exercising excessively and just to better myself, you know, athletically, I thought. And um, so I had gone through like a lot of transitions at that time, just really struggled with all the change in my life. And exercise became a, co a coping mechanism for me. So I just pushed myself harder and harder and harder. And I'm a perfectionist. And I really lived with the mentality that nothing I did would be good enough. And that really kind of fueled the fire. So I continued to exercise and I was restricting what I was eating. And then I was restri restricting so much that I would then binge on all kinds of foods and sweets were really my big thing that I would binge on and that I would feel so much shame and a guilt from binging excessively that then I would exercise even more excessively. And this became my pattern. And I got to a point where I would wake up, go for a run. I would eat a lot and then I would run or go to the gym again. And then, you know, same thing around lunchtime, go to the gym or run. Same thing around dinner time, eat excessively, go for a run or, or uh, go to the gym. And then, you know, at the time I was in college, so everyone was going out to the bars that night. I was going out for my 3 a.m. run. And that is what I did for a long period of time. 
And then I just continued to binge and binge and binge. And it got to a point where I could not make up for those binges by exercising alone. So then I started to vomit to expel the calories. And that is really when I had the wake up call that, oh, I have a problem. And I realized that there's something bigger going on here. But to me at that time, the eating disorder was my place of comfort. So nothing, I, nothing, no realization really wanted me to get rid of that or change my behavior. And I just continued down that path until I got to a point where I kind of view it as my pivotal moment where I had eaten excessively. I had um, gone for a run earlier and I had vomited multiple times and I was literally sitting on my floor, like shaking. My heart was pounding out of my chest and I'm like, I am not down. I'm going down a bad path. Like if I continue down this, something bad's going to happen to me. And I just really was kind of concerned about my own health. And I'm, I'm like, I don't want to live like this the rest of my life. And I feel like that was kind of the point where I'm like, I don't want to live like this. I don't know how not to live like this, but I need to do something to change. And, and that kind of was a starting point, but it was not a linear journey out of that. And it, there were a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of setbacks. And I eventually, after years after that point, found myself where I wasn't tethered by the eating disorder, but now I was in a place of having chronic back pain. And it kind of became a second battle where I had to figure out how to get myself out of that place. And um, I was 25 and went to a practitioner, got an x-ray of my spine, and they said, you have half the disc height at your L4, L5, which are your lower vertebrae, um, and for a 25-year-old. And they're like, your back looks more like a 50-year-old. And you know, at the time, I didn't really know what that all meant. And I was like, well, does it get better? Am I going to get better? And they're like, well, no, it only progresses. And they really never gave me any kind of hope that I would ever be better. So I left that appointment feeling like this is my forever. Like I'm 25 and my, I'm in excruciating pain. I can't bend down to tie my shoes. I can't sleep at night. I'm getting out of my car while on my way to work because I can't sit for a long period of time. And I just was kind of like in a place of like hopelessness. I'm like, great. You know, look what I did to myself. I went through the eating disorder, did this all to my own body. And now here I'm 25 with back pain. And I, uh, kind of fast forwarding many years, you know, it was a really dark place, but, um, I then went to PT school, did all the things that I thought would help my back orthopedically. So did all the exercises, the stretches, everything that I thought would help based on what I was presenting with. And again, no relief. And to me, that was really frustrating. I'm like, wow, I can't even help myself with everything that is like research-based. I mean, evidence-based, and it really was when I um, watched the documentary Heal that kind of like opened my eyes to there might be something more going on. And in that documentary, it talks about the power of the mind and the nervous system and how we can heal ourselves through our brain and how our brains are such a crucial part in healing. And it really just opened up the doors for me to dive into learning everything I could. And I, I already knew about the nervous system from PT school, but I'm like, how do I implement this in my own life to help myself. And I did that and, and learned everything I could, took action. And I'm talking to you now with no back pain. I've had two children. I do all the things I want to do. I am very athletic, still ski, still ever do everything without back pain. So it's really been come kind of full circle through that journey. Wow. That's wow. That's quite the journey. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So many people are told with pain. They're not given the answers, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it just something you have to live with, you have to manage. 
so often they're given medication, then they've got another problem because they're addicted mm -hmm. to pain meds. And, and certainly you had two different issues there, uh, probably not getting the answers you needed with your eating disorder. I, I know that anorexia and bulimia have been discussed uh, before. I don't think it's talked about as much today. Maybe mm -hmm. I just haven't noticed, but I'm not sure that those things are looked at. Uh, quite often women will go into doctors and they give you all of 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So you really are getting the answers and the referrals that you need. And mm -hmm. then uh, certainly the back pain, you go from practitioner to practitioner to try to find the answers and you get no relief. The amount of frustration you had to have felt and the fact that you're able to help other people and be pain-free yourself, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's really what has inspired me because I think back to where I was when I was going through that. And I honestly did not believe at that time that this was even possible. I'm like, this is just going to be something I have to deal with. That's kind of was my mentality. And it really is like, the more I work with people, what you say is completely correct. And that is what most people with chronic pain experience. They get medication hand to them. They get procedure after procedure. They get mm -hmm injections and and not to say that those don't have a place in the treatment protocol but they are only masking the the bigger issue and they don't provide any long-term relief they give you the short term but then you rely on those things to ever experience relief and with the people i've worked with it's it, like my heart like goes out to them because like i feel where they are because i felt like that where I kind of had multiple doors shut on me and, you know, good luck. Like, you know, it's like figure out your own way to get relief because this is all we can offer you. And it didn't work. And it's, it's a really tough spot to be in when you feel like you are just kind of grasping at straws for the next thing that could help you. And, and when it doesn't, you feel even more hopeless. Sure. You get absolutely desperate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The absolutely. hardest part is finding the right person to work with you. Because mm -hmm. every counselor, every doctor, every, you know, specialist, um, I really believe uh, it has different things to offer different people. Like, I mean, I mean, sure, the treatment might, might be the same, but if there's no connection, like I'll give you an example, um, I'll say mental health, you're going to some therapist for whatever trauma issues that you have. Well, I know for a fact, from my own personal experience, going to talk to someone, number one, it's very hard to do. Number two, um, you got to find the right person to connect that's going to give you what you need, whether it's not treatment, it might not necessarily be the right treatment, but maybe just a, an inspiration to guide you to the next person who can help you. And I think the biggest problem with people is that they get so frustrated with uh, the initial lack of assistance that they just stop. They just say, oh, this isn't going to work, right? I knew it. I knew it. And, and they've only tried really maybe one or two people, but they haven't, you know, they in their mind, no, I gave it a try. I'm just going to have to live with it or, you know, too bad. But in reality, it's by pushing further past those no's or those doors that are shut or like, like you were saying, it's once you, you, if you're able to find that inner strength to keep pushing and keep finding until you, until keep looking until you find the right person that's going to help you and guide you. That's mm -hmm. where the hard part is. And that's where people, I think, fail the most or, or not fail, but just they don't keep going. <laughs> they just stop. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, and you bring up so many good points there. It really does come down to resonating with somebody because we're, we don't lack information. I mean, there's plenty of information out there, but what we lack is our ability to receive it. And Mm -hmm. if we're not in a place where we feel comfortable enough and we can let our guard down with someone we're working with, we're only going to repel anything they have for us. So we have to be in a place where we can trust that person to guide us along the process and trust that person that we can open up our, our uh, minds to them and open up our, uh, vulnerabilities to them in a way that they can help us move forward. And it, it really does come down to our level of comfort and, and discomfort, because we do have to have the real, the realization that w- if we're going to grow, there is going to be discomfort in the process because you can only grow through discomfort, but you have to go at, at, go at it at a pace that is comfortable for you. So you have to go through discomfort at a comfortable pace, if that makes sense. But Mm. if you try to go too hard, too quick, you are going to resist that and it's going to backfire. And that happens to so many people that they try to implement all these things that are thrown at them. They overwhelm, overwhelm their, their system. They get into more of a stress response and now they're in more pain. And now they take the burden on themselves. Like I cannot heal. I'm not capable of healing. I did something wrong. And now the, it just conti- perpetuates that vicious cycle that there's something innately wrong with me. Sure. And, yep. and that's the big problem. Well, I think that when people are having struggles like this, and especially women, they feel like that there's something wrong with them. They mm-hmm. feel inferior. And quite often, depending on the doctors and the people they're talking to, uh, they might be dismissed. Mm-hmm. And that just aggravates the whole process of healing. And to be able to trust the person you're working with, you're absolutely right. There has to be that trust there. You have to let down your guard so you can mm-hmm. be open to the change. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of and join us on social media. Learn more at truckingmovesamerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. We're talking with Dr. Kelly Kessler, who has a four-step eating disorder pain solutions method to help women who've had eating disorders who suffer from chronic pain. It's just a tremendous program. So Kelly, what do you do differently that really helps people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I work from the inside out rather than the outside in. So a lot of times with chronic pain, we, uh, a lot of people experience like, again, the medications, the injections, the treatments that they get, but they're not working on the inside, which is the nervous system. And really what pain is, is a dysregulation of the nervous system. It's our nervous system that has experienced a threat to it. It could be past traumas. It could be chronic stress. It could be a bunch of micro traumas. Um, for me, again, it was the eating disorder that created this stress response in my system that manifested into physical pain. So our nervous systems are 
ramped up to protect us. And what happens is that they become extra sensitive. So they experience pain much quicker. The pain is much more intense. So we manifest anything we experience physically, excuse me, mentally, physically, because those are reciprocal relationships. So what I do is I work through the nervous system and teach others how they can regulate their own nervous system. So I act more of a guide and how can you get yourself into a better place rather than let me do this for you? Because we have to be in a place of empowerment if our nervous system is going to let its guard down and feel safe. The biggest thing is that we have to feel safe in the process because it's the lack of safety that has gotten us into the place that we're in. Mm -hmm. And so I first go through a whole audit with whoever I'm working with and where, where is this coming from? What are you experiencing? What is your sleep? Like, what is your energy? Like, what are your pain beliefs? Like, um, what's your environment? Like, so let's look at your whole daily existence and what's contributing to it. What's maybe helping it so that we can engage those areas more. What can we change so that way we can get our nervous system into a place of balance better. And that's really the big thing. So I do a lot of pain science education. So teaching others about what pain actually is, because a lot of people who experience chronic pain view their bodies as the enemy and that's not the case. And I, so I really teach them how to change their perspective on that. And a lot of that comes from understanding pain. And then I also teach them about how their nervous systems are responding and how we can change that response in a way that serves them and they can become more resilient to the stressors that are occurring outside of themselves. Wow. Mm. You you have an interesting approach that I don't think I've heard about before. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. It's mm-hmm. super cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I've implemented this in my own self. And like I said, this has worked tremendously for me. And I've worked with a lot of people who have had really complex conditions, like multiple autoimmune disorders, chronic pain, and Mm -hmm. it really has kind of opened their door to experiencing relief, which is something a lot of them have not ever experienced. Chronic pain is something that is absolutely maddening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And you do get desperate. Yeah, and you want answers. Uh, mm-hmm. I personally have experienced that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I have a hereditary condition or what, but I have disc degeneration in my neck and my lower back. And mm-hmm. I remember it hitting me at a very young age, all of a sudden, boom, I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Mm-hmm. And I went to, I can't tell you how many different doctors and it, it, I got different diagnoses because I wouldn't necessarily give them what the first diagnosis was. I wanted an answer. The first place I had gone, the doctor said, well, you look fine. And he, he, you know, used a tongue depressor to look down my throat. I'm like, that's not why I'm here. And my tonsils were removed a long time ago. It's Mm -hmm. like, hello here. And and I remember when the x-ray was done, he's like, wow, that's messed up. And I'm like, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. why I'm here. Then he wanted to put me on oxycodone. I'm like, no, 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 (laughs) Mm -hmm. no. And that was before oxycodone was really talked about as being a bad thing. So, you know, going from place to place to place, um, trying every single thing you can imagine and not getting the answers and and trying to be able to manage the pain. Unbelievably frustrating. Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, your story that you you shared is so common. I mean, so many people experience that where they they go to the doctor and 
you know, and I'm not knocking doctors because they, they, they do have a very valuable role, but unfortunately there are those situations where they're like, oh, you're fine. And like, how dismissive of that. It's like, I'm clearly not fine. There's pain that's hindering my life. So I'm clearly not fine. So like when you hear that, it just makes things, it almost invalidates your experience Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and that makes it worse. And then with the x-rays to say, oh, it's a mess. That's, that's fear language. You're you're, you're inciting fear in that person. And then fear, there's so much research between, uh, showing that fear increases pain levels. So now you're only making the pain worse in that person. And on top of that, there's also a lot of research showing that the imaging is not always, not always indicative of our symptoms. So there are cases where people have, you take an MRI and they have a beautiful spine, nothing wrong, but they're experiencing excruciating pain. And then there are cases where people have a spine that has a lot of uh, bulges or um, compressions, whatever it be. And and they're fine. They have no pain. So, so we we can't always take that imaging and say, this is what's wrong with you because this doesn't always paint the picture of what the person is experiencing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember this particular doctor had recommended physical therapy, which was a good thing, but he Mm -hmm. recommended the wrong kind. So when I got done, I felt like I'd been run over by a Mack truck. Mm, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And and that's the problem too, because if you go too hard, too soon, or you're you're not, or you're with somebody who's not receiving what you're telling them and not adjusting appropriately, it literally could backfire. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the problem you have to, it's not just that like all physical therapy is good. All physical therapy is bad. But if you have somebody who just doesn't vibe with what you need, it's, it's going to just kind of blow up in, in a bad case. And that, and, and of course, increase the pain in that case. Sure. Well, when you get frustrated, you're going to tense up and it's going to make the pain mm-hmm. worse. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, it's a vicious, vicious circle and cycle. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what can you tell our listeners? Obviously, they're looking for hope. They have Mm -hmm. chronic pain. I'm sure that's one reason that they're tuning in. What is it that you do and in what can they do to find relief? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it all comes down to our nervous system. And that's where the root cause of this is. So Pain is a heightened response of the nervous system. So that that's literally what the definition of pain is, is that pain is within the brain, not meaning that it's not real. It's absolutely real, but it's occurring within the brain in that our brain becomes more sensitive to any kind of stimulus around us. And it can actually create this heightened sensitivity to everything that we feel. So with chronic pain, we tend to have a lower threshold, meaning that we experience pain quicker, but we have a higher tolerance, meaning that we've gotten really good at coping with the pain. And so we have to understand that that's all going on within our nervous system. So for anyone who is experiencing chronic pain, if you haven't addressed the nervous system, you're really missing a huge piece of healing. And I kind of always talk about it as if it was like a weed. So, you know, when you're weeding your garden, if you just like pick off the leaves and the top part, the weed's going to be back there in a week. You know, it's just going to come right back. If you clip out the root now it's gone. And that's what we tend to do in the the modern medical models. We kind of 
pick off the leaves, the weed grows right back. You're right back on where you are. But, and that's, you know, medication, whatever treatments, the weed's just going to come back and sometimes it comes back harder. But if we pull the root out and get to the root cause, which is the nervous system, now we can achieve some relief from that in that respect. So that's where I would say to anyone who has chronic pain, if you haven't addressed the nervous system, then that's where you need to start. And part of that is just understanding yourself and getting in tune with your own body. And that really is a big barrier to a lot of people in healing because for so long, they've been experiencing pain for a long period of time. So they almost want to disconnect from their body because they view it as like their enemy and Mm -hmm. something that's been hindering them from living, but we actually need to reconnect with our body and learn how we can work with the body and not have, not have this sense of fear and disconnect within our system, but actually start integrating harmony and start integrating tools that regulate the nervous system. So what I help people do is work through the nervous system and ways we can do that are through breath work, through the um, vagal nerve. So there's a lot of um, exercises we can work by increasing vagal tone, which can transition the nervous system to more of like a rest, digest, restore state. Um, We can use the visual system to do that using movement that is non-threatening. So starting out as small as we absolutely need to, and then starting to integrate these habits on a daily basis. So my big thing is that we start as small as we absolutely can. So take whatever tiny window that is open and available to you and then build on that. And that's really the, the big difference is that we use those compounding abilities. So we start small and do make consistent changes rather than jumping in too much too soon. And then we're going to set ourselves back. So I really look at what windows open with this person, how much pain are they in? How irritable are they? What's something we can do that's not going to flare it up. And then we start with that open door and we kind of take it from there and go small as we need to. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, is building a positive image of trucking by telling the story of the hardworking drivers and industry professionals who support the industry. And you can be a part of it. Learn more about TMAF and how you can join and be a part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting TMAF's website at truckingmovesamerica.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our latest channel, TikTok. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. We're talking with Dr. Kelly Kessler, who's designed a four-step eating disorder pain solutions method. She's been going over exactly what the nervous system does, how pain is caused, how people can relieve it. It's just wonderful information here. Kelly, I had another question for you. Do you also incorporate the physical therapy, like with resistance bands and things like that to build strength? And what exactly do you do? Um, It's not my priority because a lot of that is going to be 
kind of irritating to someone at mm -hmm. the start, okay. but that would be something that someone could progress to in the later stages. So okay. if they're able to receive that and participate in a way that doesn't flare them, them up, then absolutely that's going to be beneficial. But I find that so many people are not in a place to jump into any kind of strengthening because they are so flared up that that would only make things worse. So I don't typically integrate that into like later stages and only for the people who are able to handle that. Very cool. So now what kind of percentage drop in pain do your clients have? What have they reported? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I, the program I have, it's called eating disorder pain solution. So I've had uh, the last cohort that I had to go through that they were reporting, um, I mean, I have different scales that I look at, but they all reported increase in energy, increase in self-efficacy. So their belief and their ability to help themselves went up. Um, they reported a decrease in pain catastrophization. So when they experienced pain, it didn't send them down that path, a slippery slope of like, this is only going to get worse. So they were able to kind of check their thoughts a little bit quicker um, they had, they reported better stress buffering. So anytime they experienced a stressful event, they reported they were able to manage it quicker. Um, and then they also reported they were integrating self-care techniques more than they had previously. So, um, you know, I, I'm not one to claim like, oh, do the six week program and you'll be healed. Everything is great. Honky dory. Like, it's not realistic, but what I do do is set you on the right path where if you implement all these strategies, you are going to be in a better place a year from now than you are today and in an even better place five years from now than you are today. So you, I'm setting you on a better path than where you are now. And that's really the big thing. So not to say that you can't be pain-free, that absolutely is possible, but if you've been in pain for 10, 15, 20 years, I, I can't make the claim that in six weeks you're going to be healed because it's just not always mm -hmm. true. But so I, I like to be realistic with people like these are the realistic expectations. But what I can say is that you will be in a better place six weeks from now than you are today. And that gives you a foothold in in healing, because the first thing is that after action comes belief. And if you take action and then you see a different change, you see something happen. Now you start to increase that belief that starts to increase the momentum, the motivation, and then that perpetuates the cycle. So it's really exponential. The start is probably going to be a little slow, but once you see a difference in anything, no matter how small it is, and then for people with chronic pain, any little thing is going to inspire hope, then now we can use that hope to motivate you further. And that's really where I take that approach from. When people are in pain, they become desperate. Mm -hmm. You know, th there's no doubt about it. And, and you talk about irritability, that pain can cause that. Yeah. Um, you know, because you're always feeling terrible, you know, mm -hmm. no matter what you do. And yeah. uh, the fact that you understand and you've been there, I think that really helps with your clients too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's the big thing. It's like, it's not just what you're feeling physically. It's the guilt of like, I can't be present for my kids or I can't be present for my family or I can't work the way I want to work or um, I can't sleep. And now everything is like unraveling because I'm not sleeping at night or I just feel hopeless. And it's like, it is that vicious cycle of feeling like you just have 
like everything's falling out of control mm-hmm. and it's a really, really tough place to be in. And now you add on going to multiple practitioners that tell you everything that's wrong with you. Of course, you're going to be in a really tough place. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you're, you're really messed up. Yeah. Right. Oh. Like why, when you have someone yeah. highlighting everything that's negative, I'm like, you start believing it. And it's, you know, I really talk in my program too, is like the power of the subconscious mind, the, the inner dialogue that we have literally will make or break you. Like if you feel like, mm-hmm. oh, there's something innately wrong with me, I'm everything is negative and you hear this over and over and over again, you will start to believe that. And that's I, what happens. Yeah. And it's funny. I, I remember actually going to a neurosurgeon and, and he said, congratulations, you're in my office. I only see people who really have messed up spines. Oh, I'm oh. like, excuse oh, me. Nice. <laughs> and oh I think God. he was trying to be humorous, but it's like, yeah. All right. And it's I not the award. Yeah. It's and and the thing is there's actually a very real science to that. And it's like, you know, when you if you buy a yellow car, all of a sudden you see yellow cars everywhere. What happens is that there's a place in our brain, it's called the reticular activating system. Mm-hmm. And when we live with a certain intent or we we look for certain messaging in our life, we filter out everything that's not that. So when we think of things that are negative about us, we will only see more negative about yeah. ourselves. Yeah. So that's why it's like when someone says that to you, it it will integrate into your nervous system. You literally will start to see more negative things about yourself. So that's why it's so important to be cautious of what you hear, what you surround yourself with, who the, who you're with, the environment you're around, because we soak all that into our nervous systems. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, negative people, they're kind of emotional vampires. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you surround yourself with people like that or people who say, oh, your pain's not that bad. Quit being a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, then you think, oh, gosh, I'm immature. I, I'm a baby. I'm, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, any of that. Or if you've got just a negative person, they can emotionally drain you and make things worse. No mm-hmm. no doubt about that. And, and I Absolutely. agree with that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about too, it's like, if someone was draining your bank account, like you would stop that real fast, you know, but yet our most precious asset, our, our time and our energy, mm-hmm. we're so much more forgiving of people who drain that. And we need to stop be forgiving of that. Sure. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in Northern Alberta, Canada. She's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life. She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. 
Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Eating disorders and overcoming pain are the topics today with Dr. Kelly Kessler. She has some terrific insight into these areas. Kelly, you work with people on their eating disorders as well. Am I correct? Um, I don't necessarily help them through the eating disorder. Um, I'm the people I help are the people who have gone through an eating disorder and now have okay. residual pain from it. I see. So, okay. um, so yeah, the the reason is that they they coexist a lot because eating disorders have a lot of guilt and shame and perfectionism and sure. um, you're not feeling like you're enough. And that all creates this dysregulation in the nervous system, which tends to create chronic pain. And that really was what happened with me. So that's where I help people. So, you know, people may still have some residual eating disorder behaviors or thoughts. And, but I don't work with anyone who's like in an inpatient or is in a dire situation with the eating disorder, because that's top priority. So I help people who are stable in the eating disorder realm and then have pain afterwards. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. It seems like the strive for perfectionism, the strive for perfection Mm -hmm. seems to be a common thread with with various conditions we get ourselves especially in youth mm-hmm. yeah i mean i speak at schools a lot and i see it it's so prevalent it's like oh my gosh so i try and talk to these girls because i mean when i was 18 and modeling in new york and miami i had any disorders so mm-hmm. i mean bulimic anorexic just you know refuse to eat and when you do eat that whole guilt and then fingers mm-hmm. down the throat and all that stuff and so, um, and trying to be, you know, perfect in that modeling world, it, which was so surreal. It's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when I go speak to youth, uh, not, I speak a lot, obviously, about sexual assault and, you know, having a voice, but I also make sure that I include um, the eating disorders in my talks, because I know for a fact that a lot of young girls are still going through that. You know, there's a lot of cutting which mm-hmm. um yeah. which wasn't there when I was growing up and then I mean, you know, like you know now it's like oh my gosh you talk to these girls that half the girls are cutting their arms and mm-hmm. so there's a lot of um 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 internal struggles going on so I try to make my talks I mean I, I can only do so much in an hour right <laughs> but right. I try and cover all these these basics of this so that I give them a foundation of strength and hope and that they can look at themselves in a positive light rather than the negative light. Right. So, yeah. 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 I think that's so important, especially for that age, because I think so many people in like the high school years, it's like, you're, you're trying to figure out who you are and then you're, there's a lot of comparison and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was in high school about 20 years ago, so it's, it's been a while, but I, you know, thankfully didn't have social media. So I think it would have been worse for me if I did at that yeah. time. But, um, I think for now people who do have social media, there's constant comparison and then people hide behind electronics to be mean to others. And there's just so much more that you don't escape from, I think uh-huh. now. And, and then you, if you don't, you know, throughout our childhood, like usually we have someone who helps us 
calm us, you know, and, and gives us like coping skills and stuff like that, or, or not coping skills, but like helps us be soothing. And then we, we become an adult. We don't have those skills to soothe ourselves anymore. So we are just like always figuring out how can I make myself feel okay, given all these circumstances. And I think, especially when, you know, you're a young girl, you don't really know where to turn. And unfortunately it's some of these behaviors that become the coping skills and, they're just obviously just not healthy ones to continue with. But I, yeah, I think just having that sport is is so important. It really is. And I think that with girls and women, especially the, the pressure to be perfect seems to be a lot more, a yeah. lot stronger. I don't <clears throat> think that men, boys are, are taught that they have to be perfect in every single way, mm-hmm. perfectly quaffed perfect makeup, perfect appearance. I mean, there's so much pressure. In addition to doing what we're already doing, say, in our career, we have to look perfect, too. Mm -hmm. And in the messaging, it's been that way forever. And maybe it's more prominent in North America, Mm -hmm. but the commercials and so forth. You don't see women who don't look almost perfect, if not Mm -hmm. perfect. So people see that. They want to emulate that. And look at all the selfies. I mean, I think it's gotten Mm -hmm. even more of a frenzy. I got to take a selfie. Look at me. Look at me. And you've got the software that you can put on your camera, on your phone, that makes you look perfect, too, and changes the shape of your face. And Mm -hmm. all of that is. Yeah. And all the airbrushing. Yeah. 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 I know. It's like we've kind of lost touch of what's real. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the problem. It's like we perceive this all to be real, but. It's not. And I think that's why it's so refreshing when people can be vulnerable and just expose things that are maybe not as perfect. And you're like, oh my gosh, like it's it's just like relieving that to hear stories of people who don't live perfect lives, because I think it is like we're expected to be perfect. And I think part of it too is like comes down to the way the schools do things. And it's, you know, we are graded on our lack of perfection. You know, it's like we don't, I mean, at least when I was going in school, it was like, you are, you know, you get an X on everything that you did wrong, but then it's not used as a learning opportunity. It's just like, here's a number. I'll apply it to you for what you didn't know. And I yeah. think it's just the way we go about things. And, you know, I, I've learned far more from things I've failed at in life than I ever have from trying to be perfect. And I think if we can emphasize failure as something to learn from and something to welcome rather than something to avoid, I think it would do a world of good in the world. Well, I think that's, I know. Oh, go ahead. Kevin. Oh, I was going to say like growing up in a very dysfunctional family, my stepfather, you, the whole community saw him as perfect. And mm-hmm. he, we had the perfect family and the perfect family photos and, you know, everything. But really, as soon as he closed up the door, it was chaos, right? He was a mm-hmm. monster. And so looking back at those pictures, I've always, and then going through the whole modeling thing where everything had to be perfect and you had to be just right and look this and look that and all that crap. Um, now I make a point <laughs> of taking the goofiest pictures. I don't want anything perfect. I don't want, you know, that white picket fence. I want to make sure that the world sees me as not perfect, that I'm making mistakes. So on, on all my social media, I make a point of talking about my mistakes, talking about my failures, talking about, 
oh my God, the struggle of tr even trying to, to fight through some of these obstacles because that's what's real. Mm -hmm. Not the, 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 the picture perfect selfie. Oh yeah, life is good. But when really, no, like, like, oh my God, like the, I, I talk about the tears that I cry, the frustrations that I go through because people seem to think that, um, success is all easy and all you know smiles and rainbows and, and butterflies mm -hmm. and all that when in reality oh my god it's so not so mm -hmm. i would much rather be real than put that image of phoniness and perfection oh totally mm -hmm. yeah and and the big thing is that like even if you have a good system in place like for your own self-care and you're doing you're in a good place overall like you still have days that are just can be really ugly you know and it's like you mm -hmm. could have everything that you think you need to have like quote perfect life and it still gets derailed. And, and that's, that's just life. It happens, you know? So it's like, I think we just need to have like, as a world an expectation that this is, this is reality. It's not, nothing is perfect and never will be. And if we keep shooting for that, we're only going to be left disappointed. Sure. Mm -hmm. You have to practice that every day. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I do, I do think women are harder on themselves than mm -hmm. men are oh absolutely mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I think perfection is it's a hard thing to overcome too like I mean I I continue to struggle with that like I'll get caught up in something I'm like no I gotta redo it I gotta redo it and I'm like you know I have to almost like check myself like no it's okay it's okay just let it go like you're better mm -hmm. off taking action and getting something out there than having it be perfect and so it is like you do have to check yourself when when you are more of like a perfectionist that like it's okay. You know, like have that self-talk, like not, the world's not going to come crumbling down if something is found out to not be perfect. Sure. It's tough. Now, where do people find you, Kelly? Um, the eating <clears throat> disorder pain solutions method. I'm sure that a lot of people would like to know more about that. And do you work with people remotely? Yeah. So I'm, I'm all online. Um, I used to do in person and I just felt like I couldn't serve people in the way I wanted to. So I'm completely online now. And, um, the best way to find me is through my website. It's optimal you health and wellness, and it's uh, optimal you health and wellness.com. Um, I'm also on social media. I post a lot, um, just like resources and things that can help people, but it's, uh, at Dr. Kelly Kessler and I'm on Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok, YouTube. Um, and then I also have a podcast called Rewiring Health, where I give a lot of inspiring stories of people who have overcome eating disorders and people who have overcome chronic pain um, and or at least are on a good journey with chronic pain and uh, just a lot of different uh, areas of life to consider, especially if you're experiencing chronic pain. Mm -hmm. Now, if someone has not experienced an eating disorder, but they have chronic pain, can they still come to you? Yeah. I mean, the pro my program is geared primarily to work with people who have chronic pain. Um, there are aspects of it that specifically address the eating disorder aspect mm -hmm. of it. So um, the big thing is that it's more about nervous system dysregulation that I address. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. So I mean, people who have chronic pain who haven't had an eating disorder absolutely can benefit from it, but it's just going to be more geared towards people who have an eating disorder. Sure. But I think that your angle of working with the nervous system, that is just fascinating. I mean, that sounds like it a is. massive breakthrough in terms of chronic pain management. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've found it to work with a lot of people and it's, it's worked for myself and, you know, it's really just, uh, you know, big thing is just using the resources you have within your own system to help yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And, and when people are caught up in the throes of chronic pain and all of that, they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to help themselves. They become mm-hmm. so desperate. Yeah. And they don't get the answers and then they get blown off. I hate to say it, but I, I still think that doctors, not all, but a lot of doctors, when they deal with women, tend to look at them as hypochondriacs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, they don't take them seriously and they hate it when women say, wait a minute, this is what my issue is. Please listen to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and unfortunately it is the the system way it's set up. I mean, doctors have maybe five minutes with you. So how mm-hmm. are you supposed to tell someone everything that's going on and look at a whole picture of your life in five minutes? It's, it's impossible. So it's, yeah, I mean, we really have to approach it differently, but unfortunately I think the modern medical model, it's, it's mostly about money, you know, in, in the big, unfortunately, but, um, so it's very little time with people to really be able to get to the root of the problem. Sure. And you have to have the time mm-hmm. to, to determine what's really going on. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And on top of that, having the support and the accountability along with that, because it's a tough process to overcome chronic pain, or at least get yourself on a track of relief. And you have to have the right support systems. You have to have people who can understand it and not just highlight the negatives of what you're going on, what's going on. And I find sometimes, I mean, I've been on like the Facebook groups of people who've had chronic back pain. It's, it's more just people saying the worst. And it's like, if you're exposing yourself to that, that's not a good support system to be around. That's right. So it's getting to the right support system and then having the accountability where it's like you, if you get into a point where you're struggling, you have somebody to push you through the hard times and also somebody to celebrate your wins. Mm-hmm. Where do people find you again, Kelly? Um, yeah. So the best place by my website, Optimal U Health and Wellness. And um, <clears throat> again, I'm on social media, Dr. Kelly Kessler, doc- uh, Dr. Kelly Kessler. Excellent. This has been fascinating. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoy speaking with you both. It's been so good. Honestly, there's going to be so, so all our listeners are going to be absolutely enthralled with this. Thank you. This interview is wonderful. Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, it's really my mission just to inspire hope in people, especially who have chronic pain, because I've seen it with so many people I've worked with who just are hopeless. And I I just, Mm -hmm. it shouldn't, no one should be living like that. That's right. And in the trucking world, I can tell you from personal experience, back pain is the number one. Mm-hmm. back and shoulders and neck, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. You're a breath of fresh air. This oh. is wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. And, and again, I appreciate you both for having me on here today. You're very welcome, Kelly. We've been talking with Dr. Kelly Kessler. She's an expert on helping people who have had eating disorders overcome pain. She's got some tremendous knowledge and credentials in physical therapy, and she's helped a lot of people. You can check her out at OptimalUHealthAndWellness.com. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at info at tncradio.live. Thank you for listening to another great interview on TNCRadio.live. And don't forget, be sure to subscribe to our podcast of Women Road Warriors 
It's free. All of the material you hear on TNCRadio.live on our website, our broadcasts, or our podcasts are copyrighted. There can be no distribution without the express consent of TNCRadio.live and its partners. For inquiries, write us at info at TNCRadio.live.